We get to start a new book today. It is the Read and Rant podcast, y'all. We're here to spend time in the reading of the word I desire to endeavor with you to read the word of God. And so I want you guys to quickly just post that on there. Let people know where you are because there's something powerful about, you know, just knowing that you're not alone, that you're reading with people all around the world in different time zones and in different places. For some of you guys, you're reading this during dinner. For others, you're reading this during your lunch break. For others, you're reading this wide, you know, early, wide early, doesn't even make sense, Um, early in the morning. And so um, it's just amazing just to see us all come together in the reading of the word. I've got Amsterdam, Lombard, Illinois, Royal Oak, Michigan, New Jersey, Jacksonville, Florida, Miami, Duncan, Oklahoma, Texas, Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, Africa, Atlanta. We've got the UK. We've got Garfield, Georgia. Guys, we have people from all over the world. Washington, D.C. Some of us are half awake. At least you're here. and I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so it's awesome, man, that we are all here together in to, to, to read the word. And that's really what I want to do. Uh, we've been journeying through the entire scripture. If you're here for the first time from Genesis all the way to now the book of Proverbs, we just finished the book of Psalms. And now we are in the book of Proverbs. And last week, since I was out of town, I didn't get a chance to really engage in the word every day with you all. But we are back home, back in effect, back reading the word with y'all. And that's what we're here to do. So I want you guys really quickly, just go ahead and put and just turn your Bibles to um, Proverbs. So the book of Proverbs. And that's where our focus is going to be over the next couple of days. And, and really, the goal is, is to read through the whole scripture with you. That's it. It's just to read the whole Bible with you. Um, if you endure the rant afterwards, praise God. You know, it's not a big deal for me. I simply want you to read through the word. And so let's read through the word together. And when we're reading through the word, this is not a Bible study. I reserve the Bible study for Patreon. If you're interested in supporting in any way, go ahead, click on the link in the bio, click the link in the profile, or just go to patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And I want to encourage you guys to support what we're doing here because it's your support that makes all of this possible. And I'm excited. I got some exciting news to share with you guys very, very soon. I just can't share it yet, but I've, I've got some exciting news to share with you all. Uh, but it is your support. And I thank all the patrons who are here because they make this, what we do here, possible. And so um, let's get right to it. What we want to do, since this isn't a Bible study, is this is a uh, meditational reading. We want to meditate on the word. And so I want you, as you're reading this along with me, I want you to be asking three questions. The three questions that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question I want you to ask. The second question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And so we're going to posture ourselves in that way, spend about 20 minutes reading scripture, and then spend the remainder of the time reflecting on what the word says to us today. So let's just go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's read Proverbs chapter 1. And it says this, and before we even read, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would speak to us today. 
Lord, as we read your word, Father, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would reveal your heart, your wisdom, your creativity, your intelligence, your grace, Lord, in your word. Father, let it not be us, but first forcing ourselves, but Father, we just submit to hear from you today, Lord, to reveal your heart, to reveal your will, to reveal your character, reveal something new to us today. Um, allow us to know you more. Yes, invite us to know you more, Lord, as we engage in your word. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do it. Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the rule, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be graceful for there will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes the way, it takes away the life of its owners. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates of the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, 
then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Hmm. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Hmm. Proverbs 2. Son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and imply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the path of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who is devious in their own paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death, and her paths to the dead. None who go to return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness, and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the faithful will be uprooted from it. Hmm. Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Hmm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. 
So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with the new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Mm. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of the days in her is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eye. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. And you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your foot from being caught. Mm, For the Lord will be your confidence, and keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause, if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but a secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, and he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of of fools. Hmm. Proverbs 4. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the mouths, from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get wisdom understanding. Goodness gracious. Exalt her and she will promote you. 
She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in the right path. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Hmm. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Hmm. Proverbs 5. Let's go. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors Go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last. When your flesh and your body are consumed and say, How I have hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin, and in the midst of the assembly and congregation, drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. It's a lot to unpack there, but it is what it is. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and and always be enraptured with her love. 
For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Hmm. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Proverbs 6. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourselves like the gaz- deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter and like a bird from the hand of a fowler it's just so much go to the ant you sluggard consider her ways and be wise which having no captain overseer or ruler provide her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest how long will you slumber o sluggard When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an unarmed man. Verse 12, a worthless person is a wicked man. Walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his finger. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. These six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Hmm. Sounds like some people in the chat. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life Hmm. to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to the crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief. If he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving, yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. 
he may have to give up all substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop right here. Um, and I'm going to just share a couple of thoughts with you. If you are here for the first time, this is what we do every weekday morning. We come together, we read through scripture. We've been reading through the entire New Testament, and that has been our primary endeavor is to read through the entire New Testament. Uh, sorry, Old Testament. And then we'll go back and read through the entire New Testament since we've already read through the entire New Testament. And the reason why I endeavor to do this with you is because there are many people who have perspectives about the word or perspectives about the scripture. And a lot of people who have perspectives about the scripture have not even read it. There are people in the comments right now saying, well, look at this guy. He's reading a fairy tale. Look at this guy. He's reading a bunch of false stories about a fake God who doesn't exist. And you know what? I don't blame them. I don't blame you for thinking that way if you've never read it. And the truth is, is that for many of you, you've based a perception or an actual position on the scripture and on the word of God that isn't based at all on re the reading of the totality of the text. You actually never read it. You took what somebody said about it. And because you took what somebody said about it and what you read about it, you never actually knew what it actually said. You just took what somebody else told you about what it said. Because you never read it from beginning to end, you just simply read pieces here and there. And because you've read so many pieces from so many places and you pieced it together, you create your own narrative for what you believe God is and what God is about. And then you made your own conclusions. And so now it's just a bunch of fairy tales. Of course, you're going to come to that conclusion because you never read it in totality for yourself. And that's why I do this, because there are those who are here who blindly disbelieve. And there are those who are here who blindly believe. What do I mean by that? There are many of you, your faith is uh, myopic. It's microscopic. And this is not just, a, I'm, I'm not here to like, you know, I'm not here to criticize. I'm just here to say that I've, seen enough church folk to know that there are more church folk that need to know Jesus than you'd like, than we'd like to admit. There are a lot of people who know church, but don't know Jesus. It's just the facts. And I've said this before, and I'll say this again, that the mission field today in America is in the church. I know that sounds crazy for me to say, right? The mission field in the church today or sorry, the mission field in America today is in the church. That's right. The church is full of cultural religious people or culturally religious people. The church is full of people who know church, but don't actually know Jesus and know very little about the Christian faith. They've attached whatever they believe faith is to some sort of 
philosophy or ideology. They've attached their Christian faith to some sort of way of thinking that's congruent to their way of living when none of that actually represents the Christian faith. There are more people in the church now who need to get to know Jesus than any of us would like to admit. It's just the reality. We've got people who are culturally Christian, but don't know God and don't have a relationship with him. That's just the reality. And a lot of people don't know. And so they've grown up in church and they've grown up on a version of falsehood as well. (laughs) That's right. The church has become a place where people just go and network. The church has become like a community center where people just find community. And it's not to say that any of those things are bad. The problem is when those things take precedence over what the purpose of the church is. The church is not a place you go to. The church is an identity. It's a status. And yet many people live in ignorance to that. And so I say all that to say, that this is what motivates me to do this. What motivates me to do this is that we get out of this club mentality, this show mentality, We get out of just simply going to church on Sunday and get to the bottom of what this really is. Like, what is this really about? What is is the scripture really saying? And I know for many of you, this has been a profoundly transformative endeavor because for many of you, you're like, wow, you're teaching me something new. And I don't really think that. I actually don't think I've taught you anything new. I just think I've brought you to the simplicity of what it actually says. And because now I've brought you to that, and because you're aware of that, because you know now what it says, I'm not here to tell you what it says. I'm here to show you what it says and to reflect with you and say, hey, this is what happens when you actually read through the Bible for yourself. It's a whole different world for both the believer and the unbeliever. I'm encouraged, y'all. The thing that encourages me, me profoundly is I get a lot of DMs from a lot of atheists and agnostics. And I get a lot of you who say, I come to the read and rant every morning and I come just to read with you because I've actually never read through the Bible for myself. And I just hate the ignorance that you Christians have. And I just need to know where you're at. And yet for many of them, their view is changing because whatever they thought about what the Bible said or what the Bible was about or what it meant to be a Christian or what, you know, All those things that they thought were true about Christianity, they realize, wait, this is not what the scripture is actually saying. And so they're they're being brought down to the bone, to the skeleton, and then allowing now the Lord to put flesh on it and say, hey, you know what? Listen, man, I'm just going to go through this process and I'm just going to see what this is about because this is different. Isn't it funny how it's different when you just read what it says like isn't that isn't that interesting how it's different this is what i've heard a lot of church folks say i know this is a rant y'all okay this is a rant so like i said i keep the i keep i keep the standard real low for y'all because i don't want anybody saying well this sermon wasn't well prepared this is this is not prepared i'm off the cuff right now i'm just sharing whatever thoughts are in my mind i'm sharing them along with you but you know there's something that comes to my mind and i just want y'all to think about this for a minute Just think about this for a second. I hear this all the time from Christians, you know, the atheists and the agnostics and all the people who don't know God. They're so accepting of every religion other than Christianity. 
Yeah, there's accepting of Islam and Buddhism and all the other spiritualisms and spiritualities and new age and everything else. They're so into all those things. And there is a principality behind it. So I'm not going to deny that. But have you ever thought that maybe what they hate is the fact that you don't even represent what the scriptures tell you to represent? Have you ever thought that what they hate is that you've imposed your philosophy, your politics, and your ideology on your faith? And rather allowing the scripture and the word and Christ to influence your politics and your ideology, you've made your ideology influence your faith. Have you ever thought for a moment that what they actually hate is they hate the fakeness of the Christian faith for what it looks like, especially in the West? Have you ever thought that maybe what they despise is the fact that whatever you call Christian isn't really Christian. It's Republican or whatever you thought was Christian. Isn't really Christian. It's communist. Whatever you thought was Christian. Isn't really Christian. It's put another word on it. And that you just basically superimposed your own sort of Christianese onto it. Have you ever thought that maybe what people are really frustrated about is the fact that this don't look any different than anything else in the world. It's just a really ugly version of it. That's funny because a lot of things that we call church today are really just cults. Listen, I've been gone for a week, so I'm just going to just, just stay with me, y'all fam, because you know, I always get, you guys help me get a lot of this stuff out, but you know, uh, I just got to just, let me just, let me just, let me just get, let me just get it out before I get to my thought here, because my thought is critically important here is there are a lot of folks in here. What actually attracts them to what we do here is that we're here to call out everybody. You know what I love is I call out everybody. I call out all the atheists who have a fake religion as well, because atheism is a religion. Um, atheism has a God, atheism has a doctrine, and atheism has a set of practices that they practice. Atheists have churches too. Dang, this is tough today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love y'all fam, but I got to say it is the atheists hate the religious people, don't they? Ain't it true fam? The atheists, the atheists hate religious people. They hate them. They hate them but they're religious as well. They have a God. They have a set of beliefs. They have a way of living and being. They have rules that they need to follow and a thing they need to attain. And guess what? They actually meet regularly to share in those beliefs and those thoughts and those ideas. And they believe in something that they can't even prove either. And yet they believe it and they've built doctrine around it Atheists hate religious people, but the hypocrisy of it is that they're religious as well. They just have faith in something else. Isn't it funny? Atheists have evangelists, y'all. Atheists got prophets, y'all. <laughs> and it's crazy because the atheists are the ones that are the first people say, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to be mean today, but I, I really got to, we really got to call some stuff out. 
We really got to call some stuff out because they're cool with every form of spirituality. But you use the term Christian. No, 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 no. That's fake. That's your fake God. You're fake this. You're fake that. You're fake this. Well, how about your fake God? I'm sorry. Another conversation for another day. So if you want to choose what you have faith in, that's fine. But you don't live a life without faith. Everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. The problem is, and this is going to get to where I'm going today, is that when we read the book of Proverbs, I'm sorry if I did that side rant, but y'all used to rants by now. But we're reading through the book of Proverbs. We've read from Genesis all the way now to the book of Proverbs. And what I'm hoping that you see as you've been reading this is I hope that you're seeing what the story is really all about. I I hope that what you're seeing is, is that this wasn't a, the Old Testament isn't a book of rules for Christians to follow. Like the the Old Testament wasn't a book of laws that, that Christians follow in order to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, how many people have seen anything about heaven and hell yet? Has anybody seen any of that yet? Ooh, this is where it gets weird. Have you seen, Have what, what is at the center of this is a story of a people. And what is at the center of it is how God is instituting his righteousness and his justice, his morality through these people. When we talk about justice and we talk about righteousness, those are not two separate words in the Bible. We're the ones who separate them. We talk about righteousness as if righteousness is some kind of ticket to heaven. That is not what righteousness is. And we talk about justice as if it's something different, as in something that God wants to do on earth. And yet those two things are two completely separate things. We treat them like they're two completely separate things, but the Bible treats them as one thing because God was not in the business of pulling humans off of the earth to leave the earth for all eternity. God was in the business of bringing order and restoration and justice to the earth. When we speak about righteousness, when we speak about righteousness, we're not talking about righteousness as in, you know, perfection or purity. God is the one who is perfect. And God is the one that represents all that is right. God is the one that represents all that is good. It is God now that governs all of this. But God is not this guy who's floating up in the sky, who's waiting to just execute punishment on people and then choose some people that go to heaven who do good things and some people who don't do good things. And you know what? I'm going to send them to this other place called hell. Some of y'all, I'm going to send you to heaven because you did good things. And some of y'all go to hell. That is not even scriptural, y'all. And yet for many people, that is their view of God. For many people, that's what they believe Christianity is all about. For many people, that's what they believe the Christian faith is all about. That God is this judge who executes judgment on everyone. And those who don't obey him, they they go to hell. And those who obey him go to heaven. Where do they do that at? Since when did we reduce God to that? Or maybe... 
We need to go back and read the scriptures and see at the heart what God is doing. Because up to this point, as we've been reading, we see that God is doing something through a people. He's doing something through a people to bring righteousness and justice. He's exposing everything that is wrong and broken in this world. And what he's saying is at the core, the source of what is wrong and broken in this world is that mankind has lived on a rule other than the morality and the righteousness of God. Everything that is wrong, everything that is broken, everything that we see in the world, every every kind of ugly, horrible, broken thing that we see in the world comes out of mankind living on a set of rules and in a way that is distant or veers away from the justice of God. This is what righteousness is. This is why when we follow righteousness, then we see the world restored. When we follow righteousness, then we see things brought back to order. When we want to seek the justice of God, (laughs) that's when we truly see restoration. And so for those who are in the body and for those who are in the faith, it is being restored in an identity that allows you to faithfully walk in that identity and walk in the righteousness, the justice, and the morality of God. When you read it that way, you read it in a way where now, as you're reading the Old Testament, you're realizing then maybe you've been inserting yourself in places in the text that you weren't supposed to insert yourself into. We read the Ten Commandments and we insert ourselves into those Ten Commandments like these are the things that we need to do in order to go to heaven. Wrong. Where do you see that? Where have you read that? It's nowhere. As a matter of fact, we read the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments weren't were not unto salvation but to expose the holiness of God. And God was calling a people to live this distinct life to bring that into exposition that we would all see who God is in all of this. Huh. If we would just change our perception, understand that this was always about God bringing restoration to the earth, not God pulling good people and bad people away from the earth, but God bringing restoration to the earth. It changes our whole vantage because now when we read it, we're seeing, hold on, God is just bringing order to chaos. Order to chaos. Order to chaos. Poetically, Genesis is not about creation. Genesis is about order. We somehow made it about creation. When if you ask a Hebrew person as they read the text, they're going to tell you this wasn't about creation. This was about order. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness came upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw the light that it was good. And then look what it says. And God separated the light from the darkness and he called the light day and the darkness night separated. Then he separated the waters, creating atmosphere for water. Notice order to the chaos. Then he separated the water and the land, order 
to chaos. Then he separated in the water the animals, bringing life and activity, order to chaos. Then he separated the the the, the plants from the land, and all of a sudden came vegetation, and all of a sudden it became self-sustaining order to chaos, because then through that now comes the animals, because now there's a sustaining ecosystem for the animals. He's bringing order to chaos. God is bringing order. He's bringing order. He's bringing order. He's bringing order to chaos. And in the end, God, out of the ground, as he's created every other creature, you know, the scriptures tell us that he created every creature out of the ground. We always miss that somehow. He he takes every creature, creates them out of the ground. But there's something distinct that he does with humanity is that he makes humanity in his image according to his likeness. Because mankind now has been given dominion over the earth to rule it. Meaning the destiny of our planet rests in the hands of humanity. This is what Genesis is all about. And now he gives mankind rule. But the order was already established from the beginning. This is what we call the righteousness of God. You're going to see where I'm going with this, why all this matters. I thought we were reading about wisdom, pastor. You're going to see in a moment. (laughs) You're going to see in a moment why we're getting here, because this is so important. And it's going to govern how we read through Proverbs. Because now what we see is that God was bringing order to these things. He's established a rule by which these things operate. That is a law. And if those rules are attempted to be broken, it leads to brokenness. The law of gravity is meant to govern the bodies of masses. I don't get to say what the law of gravity is, but if I try to break the law of gravity, I might break my leg. If I try to break the law of gravity, it might actually kill me. You understand? And so the law, there's a system now that has been established that governs how these things are run. Why is this so important? Why is this so critical? You're going to you, you, stay with me, fam, because this is this is going to change how you perceive any of this, because now. If there's a law and system by which these things are established and he gives us authority to operate within these laws and systems, when we choose to go in any other system in any other way, then it leads to broken feet, broken hands, brokenness, pain. And so we read the text. And what we've read up to this point is we see a God who has been gracious to a humanity that has broken the law. And the law that they were broken is that they followed their own governing, their own governance, their own rule, and not God's. And God is bringing restoration through these people. Promises through Abraham all the way now. And we read through the book of Psalms. So now we get to the book of Proverbs. Why does all this matter? Because what Proverbs does is different. Proverbs shows us what it's like to live within those guidelines. 
Proverbs shows us that when we live within those guidelines, when we live within those principles, it brings contribution to the righteousness and justice of God. You know, for the the angry atheist and for the angry or the doubting agnostic and for the um, even the believer who's wrestling and struggling with their faith right now, even in this moment, no one can argue the book of Proverbs and say, these are lies. This ain't it. <laughs> because here's the reality is that morality has been hardwired into us. They say, well, you need to know God to have morality. No, you don't. You don't need to know God to have morality, to be moral. You actually don't need to know God to be a good person. You don't need to know God to know what is right and what is wrong. <laughs> um, we, we can know those things simply through the fact that we've been made in the image of God. And because we've been made in the image of God, we all have a rubric, a morality. We look at the things in the world and there's something in us that says, that's not right. That ain't right. I don't know yet why. I, I can't make sense of it. I'm still working through the, 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 the specifics and the minutiae, but I know this ain't right. It's built into us. We've been hardwired with it. Why? Because as Job said, there's a spirit in the man, the breath of the almighty which gives him understanding. The spirit is the breath of God. And the spirit in the man is the breath of God that gives him understanding. You don't need the Bible to be told what is moral and immoral. It's in you. I need the Bible to tell me morality. No, you don't. There's a spirit in a man, every man. We choose to ignore it. We choose to deny it. We choose to do what we want to do, how we want to do it. We sometimes don't know how to actually be moral, but it's there. It's there. It's been hardwired into us. And so when we read the book of Proverbs, no one goes, no one reads the book of Proverbs and goes, these are all lies. All lies. Look at this. Look at all these lies. This is a doctrine for anyone who is a believer and unbeliever is a doctrine for anybody. You cannot read Proverbs and go, nope, I don't like none of this. I don't believe in none of this. As a matter of fact, if anybody does it, even people who don't believe in God or who don't believe in Christ or don't attest to faith in Christ are going to say, you, you disagree with go to the ant, you slugger, consider her ways and be wise which having no captain overseer or ruler provides her with supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. You, you're saying you disagree with being lazy will lead you to poverty? Man, you, you, you disagree with that? 
or, or you disagree with whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. You disagree with that? Like, nah, he don't lack understanding. You di- like you disagree with that? Like, it's okay, like to just commit adultery. It's okay to cheat on your wife. It's okay. Like, it's okay to cheat to cheat on your your husband. Like, that's that's okay. Right, like, you know, or or he shall die for lack of instruction. Wait, you you disagree that people fall into ruin because they're they lack teaching and instruction? Like you you actually disagree with that? No one disagrees with any of that. Take four. Take take um, a firm hold of instruction in Proverbs four. Do not let go. Keep. Her, for she is your life. We have campaigns on things like this. Knowledge is power. How important is education? How important is... We... Who who disagrees with that? I like that you mentioned that. Some believe in multiple partners. Yeah, but you know what, Liz? And I agree with that. Some actually believe in that. But if you brought another one in without letting the other ones know, guess what? They would say, that's something wrong with that. That's cheating. I should know about this. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, w- there's a sense of morality that we have that even when we agree to open relationships, we create terms of openness. Open marriages. We create terms of openness, do we not? Ah, let's think about this for a second. Everybody has a sense of right and wrong. And this, and this morality that we see, we see it all through here. No one disagrees with it. Trust in the Lord. Maybe you disagree with that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. That's probably the one thing you might disagree with. But all through this, you, you see a moral compass being constructed here. That it's morality that almost very few people can disagree with. However, question is, is do we actually live these things out? How do we live them out? Because ready for this? If the world is upside down, it's broken, it's because of injustice. It's because of immorality. And yet, what God is saying from the beginning is that if we would follow his justice, that the world would see flourishing, renewal, peace, love, kindness, grace, if we would just follow in the morality of God and in the justice of God. So what is wisdom? Proverbs is a book that has a few authors in it, three main authors, three main authors being Solomon, 
um, Lemuel and Agur. Now, Agur and Lemuel come at the end, and a large part of Proverbs has been attributed to Solomon, who was considered um, the wisest man in the ancient world. <laughs> Solomon was known for his wisdom. But I want to just pause real quick here because I'm going. We're, we're, we're closing out because we're going to be talking about this for a while. I just wanted to work out some stuff with y'all. Is that when we talk about wisdom, many people think that wisdom is in some form intelligence. Like wisdom is in some form of knowledge. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not intelligence. There are intelligent people who are wise. And there are wise people who aren't very intelligent. <laughs> and some of the wisest people are often some of the least intelligent. And some of the most intelligent people are some of the least wise. We have confused wisdom with intelligence. But wisdom is not intelligence. If you ask me, well, what is wisdom? It's applied revelation. Can I say that? I'm going to repeat all that because I want to make sure everybody here gets it. Some of the wisest people you will know are not the most intelligent people. And some of the most intelligent people that you will ever meet will be some of the most foolish people you will ever meet. Wisdom is not intelligence. And just because you have intelligence doesn't mean that you have wisdom. What is wisdom then? Wisdom is applied revelation. Not even applied information. Applied revelation. Because you may know a lot, but if it isn't revealed and exposed who the character is behind what you know, you won't know how to do what it is that you're being informed of. So you can't have wisdom if you don't know the author of it. You won't ever know wisdom until you know God. You know, there's this thing that, you know, there's the dork and the idiot and the fool. The dork, the idiot, the fool. <laughs> you know, the dork is uh, uh, super smart. You know, just, just doesn't know how to just navigate through the world. The idiot is just dumb. The idiot is uh, ignorant, just doesn't know anything. And then the fool, well, the fool is different, right? The dork is, you know, knows a lot, just doesn't know how to apply it. The, 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 the idiot is the one who's just ignorant, doesn't know anything. And then the fool, man, the fool is the one who knows a lot, but just chooses to do otherwise. Just choose to do what? He wants to do because his way is better. Forget instruction. Forget correct. I'd, you know, forget correction. Forget any of that. I just want to do me. 
That's what a fool is. Fool is a person who says, I just want to do me. That's why a fool hates correction. We're going we're gonna to finish this up. We're going to do this again tomorrow. But I want to leave you with this because this is so important. Is that there are people who think that the way that I need to live and the way God wants me to live, there's something I do not know. There's, there's, there's a person right now who's saying, the way that God wants me to live, I just don't know how to live it. There must be something in the Bible that I don't know yet. There's got to be some information that I don't have yet. There, there's some insight that I haven't received yet. I'm, I'm missing something. I, and and I, I just need you, show me the verse in the Bible. Give me the text to help me understand it. Make it make sense for me. That's wisdom. What you're not void of is information. What you're void of is wisdom. And yet you cannot know wisdom if you don't fear God. And for many people, you want more knowledge. But what if you need to just simply back up and just fear God, worship him, get to know him, submit yourself to him? That is the beginning of wisdom. That's why that scripture that we read today is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because wisdom is actually the application of the revelation of God. The reason why some people are wise is not because they have more information or more intelligence. Some people are wise and they just make the right decisions and do the right things. They're governed by the right things because they have a fear of God. They have a reverence for God. They have a desire to seek the morality of God beyond themselves. They have a humility to seek what God's definition of right and wrong is. To seek the morality of God. There are people that are doing the right things because they're over themselves, over what they think is right and wrong, but rather says, you know what? God, you tell me what is right and what is wrong. I, I, there's something beyond me. My intelligence is limited. My understanding is lacking. I need revelation. And the more that I know, the more I put it into application, the more I live the way that God wants me to live. Wisdom looks like someone who says, I'm going to live on a different set of rules. These rules will not be my rules, my way, but these rules are going to be one that submits to something greater than I am, someone greater than I am. And that's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember this today. Wisdom is not information. 
Wisdom is applied revelation. The more you know God and the more you put into application what you know about the heart of God, the more wise you will be. Let's pray. Father, I ask today that you would um, guide us. Lord, as we read through the book of Psalms, Lord, we're reading through beautiful poetry and prose and just artistic diction on wisdom. And yet the consistency that we see, even as we read today, is that this righteousness this justice that you are, that represents you, that is your character, that it's lived out through wisdom, and that for us to seek wisdom, we must know who you are, to be reverent to you, to be in awe of you, to submit to you. So, Father, I pray today, Lord, that you would allow us, Lord, to listen to you throughout the next few days as we read through Proverbs as we see what it looks like to live out a life in wisdom. And I just pray that you would guide us, Lord, that you would inform us by your grace. And Lord, that we would leave not simply desiring to know what to do, but to desire to know you and in knowing you, be informed about what we do. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Fam, God bless you all. I know I'm a little bit over time. I rant. That's what I do. But I'm so glad you're here. I want to thank all my patrons. Thank you for, for, for your support. Thank you for becoming a patron. I'm going to put this episode on Patreon right away, but this will also be available on the Read and Rant podcast probably a month or so from now. So you'll, you'll still be able to get this. But if you do want to support, click the link in the bio. Um, another thing, if you can't support, that's perfectly fine. We'll be back here again, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Um, I want to also encourage you guys um, you can click the link and buy as well. Join my mailing list, okay? If I ever have any news I want to share, I want to share with you guys first. If I have um, a word of encouragement, I'm sending out monthly, not monthly, sorry, weekly words of encouragement. Um, I'm going to start posting those as well on, on, on the email list. So make sure you do that. And I also post a, just a text about what we read. So if you ever miss a reading rant, you'll get a text from me. And sometimes I will text you back. I get a lot of texts from you because a lot of you have my number. But I try to text as many of you back as I can. It's just a lot of you texting. But I do want to encourage you to text me as well. My number is 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. Um, and yeah, text me and uh, you'll get uh, daily reminders. Um, you'll also get daily encouragement. And I just pray that, um, you know, if there's ever anything that needs to be shared. If I can't be online today on a reading rant, I want to, I want to make an effort to at least text you guys and let you guys know I'm not on today. You know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, yeah. So send me a text, join my mailing list. And also, um, if you want to support in any way, you can click the link in bio, but I'm praying, uh, something that Vanessa and I are praying about, especially as we're, we got some big decisions to make and some big moves. And so keep us in prayer about that. But um, the one thing that we're encouraged by is the patrons that we have. And something we've been, we've been praying about is as we begin to make these transitions into, you know, full-time ministry um, that the Lord would just provide. And he has been providing, man. A lot of you have responded by becoming patrons. And so I'm just encouraged by that. 
Super encouraged by that. Super encouraged by your words. And um, and I can't wait to continue to cultivate a community there. The number is 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. Love you, fam.